Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Well, it's a chilly Monday morning here where I'm at in Tampa, Florida, and it seems like it's chilly all across the country these last few weeks. Just some crazy weather we've got going on. Well, what better than a cold day to bring on a warm and friendly guest? Mr. Michael Crandall will join us on this week's episode of Private Club Radio to talk about the anatomy of a private club turnaround. It's such a pleasure to have Michael on here, his third appearance on Private Club Radio. Always enjoy having him on. Let's go right to the interview. Well, our guest today is Michael Crandall, CNG, which stands for Certified Nice Guy. He has been self-certified, by the way, <laughs> but nonetheless, Michael has been GM COO of some of the most prestigious clubs in the country. In fact, he's led two private clubs to Platinum Club of America status. And his gift in this industry is really to inspire exemplary management teams with confident leadership. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you today? Outrageous as always, Gabe. No change. I keep trying to improve, but I'm still just outrageous. I don't know. (laughs) We love having you on the show because you always bring a Unique take, Michael. <laughs> Gabe, uh, not not joking. This this is absolutely true, uh, and that's why I answer outrageous. When I was a kid growing up in Twin Falls, Idaho, my mother, when I was a young kid, uh, she pointed at me. I remember, and even my mother told me never point. She pointed right at me and make it worse. She wagged her finger, and she said to me, "Michael, you're outrageous." <laughs> and, I've, and I've never and I've never forgotten it. That my mother wouldn't lie to me, would she? So. Uh, Uh, And I hope since my mom said it, outrageous means good. But uh, thanks for asking how I am. But Gabe, I am indeed outrageous. That's awesome. Michael, you're an expert at turning clubs around. What are some common problems that you see clubs facing these days? Pretty deep question. uh, Or you wouldn't have asked it. Um, Because clubs always have problems. Um, uh, Life is that. But uh, And successful people aren't people that don't have problems, by the way. They're people that handle problems well. But nonetheless, the problems that I see in clubs this day, to be direct to your question, are, are different. Uh, it wasn't that many years ago where most problems at clubs would be operational related, departmental related. Uh, that's not so much the case anymore. It doesn't take away the fact you have to have excellence there. But what's really happened is that many clubs have somewhat unknowingly today strayed from their own mission statements. Or conversely, they hold to them too closely. And that sounds like a huh, but in reality, there has to be a conscious commitment to balance between these two extremes of holding on too closely to the past or straying from them unknowingly over time and not really knowing it. And I can give you a few thoughts that just came to my mind um, that are kind of symptoms of this, and, and here they are in no particular order, but um, the fact is that club traditions and unique culture is very important, really important. But we need to keep in mind that the past is valuable as a guidepost, but very dangerous if used as a hitching post. Uh, Staying in or longing for the past doesn't necessarily help run the business of the club today or to attract tomorrow's potential members, as you well know, Gabe, because you're an expert in that. And, And over the past decade or so, the definition of remaining relevant, which is key, remaining relevant to the lifestyle, to new generation of potential members, it's evolved and it's changed 
dramatically. It used to be that the club would change just a little bit like a glacier slipping a tiny, tiny bit over time. But what's happened in the last 10, 15 years, it's not just slipping. There's been a seismic change in the way clubs are. Um, and that means that approaches to club governance, and that's more board-related, um, or operations, meaning management, uh, but approaches to either of those that exist solely for historical purposes that are no longer really relevant to today's world and lifestyles. It keeps a club's locked in orbit around a world which no longer exists. Uh, we need to understand the future of clubs is based upon consistent member experiences that satisfy the quality and service expectations of an ever-changing marketplace to the point that they will excitedly recommend their club to their business associates, family, and friends. So those who ask, is the private club industry changing? They are way, way behind the curve. And you may ask why, not you, Gabe, because you know, because clubs have already changed. Yes, life is full of changes ongoing, but in the world of clubs that used to be very slow, not anymore. The changes already happened. And it's never going to return to what it was in the days when all the board had to do was make simplistic, popular policy adjustments every so often. And all management had to do was to occasionally make so-called low-hanging operational fruit decisions. Those days are gone. But I will say that um, going forward, Gabe, from looking at some of the things I see in clubs now that Looking a bit forward, for those clubs are resourceful enough to make the strategic decisions, meaning mostly board and governance, and operational, which means staff and management. Making those decisions are necessary to reflect the times. There can be plenty, and I mean plenty, of very good days ahead. Yeah. Well, I love that you've got a positive spin on it, Michael, for sure. Now, I've got to imagine that oftentimes the problems clubs think they have are not actually the problems they do have, right? So when you walk into a club that needs help, how do you go about finding where the problems and the inefficiencies lie? Well, as much as uh, I just talked, because you asked me a question, I, I wanted to make sure that I was understood. The question was, is how do I find out where the problems and inefficiencies lie? Well, I do it by listening. And I do lots of that. I'm tempted now just to be real quiet for about 30 seconds, but in podcast and radio world, dead air is not a good idea. So <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep talking. But I do lots of listening. That's how I find out. Uh, basically, because I've never learned one single thing while I personally am talking. And hopefully the people listening now will feel differently about that. Hopefully people I've worked with feel differently about that. But I can tell you for sure that I myself had never learned one single thing while I was talking. And that's the reason why. How I find out where things are is I listen. I listen to what people have to say. I need to know what's on their mind, where their heart is at, and what concerns they may have at their club, governing as a board member or as a place of employment. Because basically all problems, I believe this so strongly, these so-called problems in any business model ultimately have a direct link to people problems. And keep in mind that virtually every member-owned private club at least when it comes down to net departmental operations, does not, simply does not have a viable business model. And to those who want to say, oh, well, my club, we do this or that, I would ask you, oh, do your members not have to pay dues to your club? The fact they pay dues substantiates what I just said. The business model of clubs is not a viable. Uh, but nonetheless, to answer your question uh, about what I do to find out where problems and efficiencies are, of course, I listen, but prior to my even getting there, 
uh, when I'm retained by a club. Before having an opportunity to personally interact with any of the people, meaning staff, management board, and all the committees, I uh, even vendors, by the way, but I, I thoroughly view all of the current and uh, historical financial data. I digest the minutes for the past year of all board and committee meetings. I become familiar with the bylaws, the club rules, and I digest every issue for the last year of their club newsletters, and I look up and down their website for content and appearance, and uh, that type of a background work enables me to hit the ground running, so to speak, in preparation for getting down to what really matters, and what really matters, it's back to listening and the people, and then earning the confidence of all those people involved. The other stuff uh, gave, rather than the people, the typical business-type things like uh, uh, financial data, the minutes I said I just read, the club newsletters, looking at the websites, all those things don't change things. It's people that change things. Uh, so to answer your direct question uh, as how I go about finding out where problems and efficiencies may be, while I do indeed do my homework ahead of time, as I just talked about, um, my real focus is on the people of the club, all of them. And some may say, well, why? I'm a numbers guy. I, I, I'm very detailed. Uh, you, you can't improve them, what can't measure. And, and they say, well, why would you focus on the people so much? And I would say to anyone listening, any business, by the way, just ask yourself this question when it comes to the so-called problems that you may think that you may have at your club or business or marriage, by the way. But just ask yourself this question. If by magic... I had all the right people in all the right places who were all really focused and all excited about what they do, what would happen to all those problems of ours? And you think about it, uh, the short answer is they'd all go away. Therefore, I listen and I focus on the people. I love it. I love it. And uh, I, would, I would love for all the problems in my business to go away. <laughs> I better myself. That's good stuff, Michael. Can you share some warning signs that boards should look for? Um, yeah, off the top of my head, there's way too many to mention here, but off the top of my head, Gabe, um, I'll give you a random sampling that comes to mind. And so to uh, board members out there, uh, turn the volume up a little bit. And I would suggest if you find some of the things I'm about to say that it kind of characterizes the meetings that you have or to GMs out there, it's the same thing. But, but here's, some, uh, here's some things you need to look for for warning signs. Uh, no order of priority. Uh, rehashing again and again and again the same old dead issues for hours upon hours, perhaps meeting after meeting when there's seemingly nothing ever getting fully resolved. Not really. And every one of me can think of a couple things. Yep, I can see that occasionally. Uh, moving on, uh, top of my head is if, if, if your um, executive committee is finding a need to spend time in executive session, per se, after the full regular board meeting in order to delve deeper into operations while the general manager, chief operating officer, is out of the room? Really? Are you kidding me? Uh, another one is um, a warning sign is, uh, our committee chairs, do they routinely come woefully unprepared to truly present actionable, and actual, I mean that fully vetted at the committee levels prior to a board meeting? that they come in woefully unprepared to present actual recommendations that the board can confidently act upon? Or indeed, does the board just simply become a giant committee 
and, and try to do the work of the committee um, that should have been happening between board meetings and at the board meeting. And the board isn't functioning as a board at all. It's just one giant committee. Uh, another key thing is, and not to step on any toes, but to the board members out there or GMs who were kind of in this situation, you find at your meetings that your, your GM, chief operating officer, is either not expected or not qualified to be the near the top of every single board agenda and expected to consistently provide proactive, meaningful input that sets a tone for the entire meeting. And this should be preceded, by the way, two or three days ahead of time by emailed, very succinct, direct, and this is where your graphs come in and your data. Uh, an executive summary, if you will, prepared by the GM and his staff that is sent ahead of time prior to the board meeting. Um, do you find at meetings more warning signs? You asked, Gabe. Um, one of the worst is when you look over the agendas, forget the minutes for a second, look over the agendas of the last couple of years board meetings, and you see that they're pretty much redundant, just copied over and over again, which means they're all but meaningless. Uh, one of the biggest signs of warning signs for board is that is your board spending way too much time dissecting the past 30-day operating data, particularly food and beverage related, instead of focusing on the long-range future of the club? What best policies should we have to protect the club traditions while still reflecting the times and, uh, and supporting our top management talent? Um, those are random type things, warning signs that boards uh, should look for. Um, but having pointed out just a few of these things, Gabe, when you think about it, all the things I just said, they're directly related to having or not the right people in the right places. And um, here's something for data guys, financial guys, uh, if you want to go with people for a second, but it all comes back to it. I found, uh, Gabe, uh, there's a frequency now. Oftentimes, I find clubs that are allowing onerous debt be kicked down the road far, far too long. And that's particularly true, of course, with initiation fees to the incession. recessions are no longer what they were years ago. And then you add to the fact that there's declining income from initiation fees, either because of less incoming members or they've compromised initiation fees so much they think that they're going to uh, take a bad business model and make up for it in volume. Excuse me, they're wrong. But add to that the board keeps making decisions, approving um, what amounts to artificially low dues, and then which results in high levels of deferred maintenance, and that's a death spiral if it's not addressed. Um, quite often, I've seen that potentially strong boards and our management performance is compromised because they don't know what they don't know. They're focusing on the wrong things, and um, I really believe that failure is not the biggest problem we have. Uh, in life, it's oftentimes the problem is succeeding at the wrong things. It's not failure itself. It's succeeding at the wrong things. Unless you've got the right people in the right places and you really know where you're going, um, you'll be patting on yourself on the back. But, uh, but nonetheless, by working together, um, we shed a light on a viable plan forward. Uh, and it, it's about the people, not financial data, charts, reports, graphs, projections. Uh, instead, it's having all the people know their roles and getting results. And uh, all the favorable data, safe as good results, uh, favorable data and all that, all that is just a byproduct of knowing of what you're doing and ensuring the right people are in the right places. And uh, 
I'm not patting myself on the back. It just, that is what I focus on doing. And that is what I make happen. I, I simply create an environment where this happens. Wow. Well, I've seen that the staff firsthand, uh, when I was last in Kansas City, you were working with the club up there. And really, they just seemed to adore you, Michael. And uh, it's right. like you were really letting them, um, you gave them free reign in, in a way because you trusted them because you knew you had the right people in the right spots. That says a lot about you as a manager. That's kind of it. It's very gracious words. Um, but the, the, the key is, is, is finding the talent, identifying talent. And by talent, I don't mean um, a box is an organizational chart or position descriptions or titles. I'm talking about raw talent. And raw talent can be a dishwasher. It can be someone working and receiving. It can be in your your accounts payable. Um, God willing, it's your GM, uh, your executive chef, and golf course superintendent. But what you're really doing is you're identifying talent. And then your role is to find it, okay, these people have talent. How can I best position them in the right place to bring out from them the very best they have to offer? Because a lot of them don't even know. But you uh, give them free reign and, and move forward. I didn't get sidebarred there, but thank you for finding comments about the relationship with staff. Yeah, of course. Well, once you've identified these problems, the ones you just listed here above, uh, whether it's a people problem or uh, they've been kicking the can down the road, then what comes next, Michael? Well, the, even though we're talking about what comes next, uh, the foundation uh, going in, um, and it's different for every club. When I say foundation, I don't go in and I have a cookie cutter approach. That That is not it at all. Uh, but there's some commonalities. But the foundation, when you say, once you identify a problem, what come next? Well, I, I want to share right from the beginning what I, what I call is the CNG, Universal Mission Statement. And I believe that every club can use this as an inspiration, not because I said it or thought of it, but it only it only has seven words. And most mission statements, whether the corporate or clubs, go on and on and on, you know, providing a social environment and a championship golf course that is suitable for players of all abilities. We have a pool. We have a dining room (laughs) and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, But the seven words are from a mission statement. You say, what comes next? They have to understand this. The mission statement is our members' very favorite place to be. Love it. Just seven words. Just seven words. No mention of all the amenities at the club and our club was founded and we hold this tradition, which all may be true, by the way. But it all comes down to unless you really succeed at this, I'm calling it CNJ Universal Mission Statement, the seven words, unless you succeed at being our members' very favorite place to be. It doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Um, think about for a second, if, if an entire leadership team at a club would buy into a mission statement like that, our members' very favorite place to be. And then retooled or rebooted, so to speak, itself, where every policy, every operating decision was put through that filter of enhancing the success of the mission of being our members' very favorite place to be. Everything was put through that. Does this contribute to the success of our mission? Every standard operating procedure, leadership, staff roles, rules, bylaws, everything. 
it needs to contribute to the success of a master plan of being our members' very favorite place to be. So that's the plan, if you will, moving forward. And what club could argue that, no, no, we don't want to do that. We want to do what some other club across the country is doing. Oh, no, no, there's this thing we saw when I was vacationing and we want to do that. Excuse me? We want to be our members' very favorite place to be. And it doesn't mean, Gabe, as you and I have talked about, that you're not going to find best practices and you're going to engraft them and massage them and, and make them your own and bring them into your own operation. But basically, every club is unique. You need to focus on our members' very favorite place to be. Now, tying it back to people, if you our members' very favorite place to be may sound like theory. You need to bring it to life. The only way that's going to happen is through people. And uh, I'm thinking now there, there's two really areas of which the people are. Uh, they're going to bring it to life. And um, one of them is the staff management, which results in operation excellence. And the other is the board uh, policies, which is more about the governance behind the scenes type stuff. Um, in regard to the staff management operations, um, positive leadership has consistently steered in the direction of, of a couple things. Uh, a guy out there or a girl out there come up with a 21, 22, 23, but Positive leadership consistently has to strive and steer in the direction of making sure that you have the right people and putting them in the right places. You have to develop, motivate, and mentor them. And the third one, some don't like, but I'm telling you, it's it's necessary for strong leadership, and that is you have to cull the herd when necessary. You owe it to the team to eliminate any speed bumps, unnecessary ones, of people who just don't get it. Not not really. So you've got to make sure you have the right people, right place. You've got to make sure you develop, motivate, mentor them, and you've got the call the herd when necessary. Uh, building and maintaining exemplary management teams, well, that's accomplished, at least I believe in my heart, by identifying talent, then mentoring them, and monitoring accountability for terrific results with a style of leadership that's based on positive support and empowerment rather than fear or micromanagement. So that's the first group of people, if you will, um, to bring uh, our members' very favorite place to be uh, to life, and that is the staff management operations. And the second group of people is more board-related committee where policies and governance, behind-the-scenes type things. And that's where you get into updating bylaws and club rules that reflect the times and are really relevant to what's going on today and member experiences today, as opposed to when the charter was set up X amount of years ago when their grandfathers came over on the Mayflower. You've got to recast lines of communication, the authority and accountability. Um, at the board level, at the board level, and some are surprised by this, but you need to have uh, written position descriptions for the board officers and committee chairs. Usually you think you just need that for department heads or you know, tasks written out for dishwashers or servers or guys that are changing uh, where the pin placements are. But the board needs to have written position descriptions, all board approved, by the way, and it should come from management, but that's a whole other story. But every decision and policy must ultimately support, whether it comes through the, uh, the management or the board, it must ultimately support the mission at hand, that being our members' very favorite place to be. Yep. Yep. Love it. Um, What's your secret sauce when you're trying to get the staff and members to buy into your plan when you come in there as an interim GM, you're only going to be there for a short time? 
Well, when you, um, I typically have a 90 day uh, type type assignment and some have been longer, none have been shorter. Um, not by design, it's just typically the way it works out. But nonetheless, when you ask what the secret sauce is and get in to buy into my plan, the um, fact is it's not my plan, not mine at all, it's theirs. It's their plan. Um, I just I just provide the professional expertise and the personal care and helping them identify what their mission is and and their plan, if you will, to get there. Um, I go in every single day, and God's blessed me with this, but I, I just refuse to have a bad day, period. Um, and instead, I engage everyone on a personal level, but I do consistently bring sound business savvy and financial acumen to the table. I really revere the fact that the business world spends on an access of accountability. And so if I back to you data guys and want to uh, improve only what you can measure, I really do. Uh, I demand from myself the expertise necessary to create, present, gain ultimate approval. And then I monitor unwavering adherence to both operating and capital budgets. It's just pretty much the way I roll. Um, I, I walk in, I assess the level of talent available, and then I focus on creating an all but palpable positive energy, if you will, that, that sets everyone else up for success. Uh, by the way, I, I believe that's a definition of a leader. A, a leader is someone who makes everyone around them successful. That's what a leader does, makes everyone around them successful. Uh, the downside of that is far too many people, they spend way, way, way too much time on trying to position themselves to look successful. You make enough people successful around you, department heads, subordinates, people you report to, your board, your committees. Uh, that's successful by by default. You only look, but you are successful. Um, and sure, I, I do I do uh, create the mundane reports. I... Uh, I've gone ahead and had revised organizational charts up to six times with one club, by the way, kept augmenting, augmenting, refining, refining. So I can reports, organizational charts, flow charts, PowerPoint presentations. But I really do. What I really do at the end of the day is I spend all my time with people. I build relationships and I set the team up for success. And every club, <laughs> I, I know GMs around the country are going Gee, tell me something I didn't know, but every club is unique and different. Um, so what specific factors would really make their particular club, their members' very favorite place to be? Well, one size, of course, does not fit all. Um, you need to find out what that is. And then uh, once the board and executive level management team agree on the mission at hand, um, we, we simply, when I get there, we map out a plan, we gain momentum, and we don't look back. Um, so, Gabe, you refer to it as a secret sauce, but uh, I guess uh, as far as a recipe goes, here's some ingredients in this sauce recipe, if you will, that when mixed with expertise and care, when I say expertise, you just got to know what you're talking about. You have to. You have to know what you're doing. And I say with care, it means you really do care about the success of all the people around you in the club. Here's the ingredients that are in there in the secret sauce for successful mission of being our members' very safe, favorite place to be. You take certain ingredients of staff, management, operations, board, policy, governance. At every club, you stir it up to the best that matches your own success, and you move forward. And 
Um, I'm flattered, Gabe, that you begin in your very first question where you kind of set me up saying that I was an expert at turning around clubs. But um, admittedly, joyfully so, by the way, the truth is that I, I don't turn around any of them, including those not just consulting the last several years, but being uh, the chief executive officer at Thunderbird Country Club and Ranch Mirage and Exmoor Country Club in Chicago. Uh, and um, I haven't turned around any of them. Um, what I, what I really do is I, I have more expertise where I just listen and then I fill in the voids where, so to speak, not knowing what they don't know is proving an obstacle for them. And then I create an environment that's conducive to success of everyone. And then I I get out of their way. (laughs) I just get out of their way. And it's a rejuvenated board. It's a management team that's energized that turns things around. And I just find that hugely exciting, Gabe, hugely exciting. Um, <laughs> I love every minute of it. Yeah. What are you most proud of over the last 10 to 20 years, Michael? Well, I know we're talking about private club radio, so that <laughs> we're talking business here. Uh, first came to my mind, though, was just being married to my wonderful Kim girl, who, by the way, I guess it's business related. She uh, she runs a Cherokee town club with uh, uh, Cherokee Town and Country Club. She's been there going on five years, um, but it's my marriage and relationship that I have uh, that I have with Kim. Uh, talk about the right people in the right place. I married up big time. I love love her dearly. Nice. Um, but strictly club wise, um, I don't want to name a club. Um, but probably not the right thing to do. But at one particular club, we went in and. The board didn't know what they didn't know, and neither did I when I went in. But it wound up that we, they retained me there to revamp their operations and to help maybe a little bit with governance. And also, I did a GM search nationwide and found them a tremendous guy. Um, but what happened while I was there is we keep peeling back the layers of the onion, and unbeknownst to either one of us going in, we wound up, and it comes back to the right people, the right places. Um, we you placed a new golf course superintendent. We wound up with a new controller. Um, we revamped the organizational chart. Uh, that's the club I referred to earlier six times. I kept refining, refining, refining. Uh, we hired a new fitness director, an aquatics director. Uh, we revamped entirely the way uh, board meetings were set up and done and orchestrated. Um, the existing staff was uh, given increased roles of responsibility. I reevaluated and shuffled the deck of the talent was there and wound up eliminating two positions, uh, but taking the existing staff, promoting them, um, not just in a title, but in responsibilities and authority with significant pay increases. Um, it did all that, streamlined the operation. The board was thrilled. And at the same time, it's say 50,000 in payroll, go back to the data financial guys. Um, but I'd say that, that that particular thing, is we went in and we just revamped everything, got the right people in the right places. And I left them feeling incredibly good. And to this day, uh, I receive emails at least weekly from any number of people there. Um, just a great, great group, and it was very rewarding. Sorry to uh, pontificate and go longer there, um, but I have a real warm, warm feeling for how that turned out. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice for sure. Michael, thanks so much. If folks want to retain your services, if there's a few board members out there that would like to have Michael Crandall, CNG, come aboard for an interim 
position, how do they get in touch with you, Michael? Um, the best way, um, well, it's interesting. I interrupt myself real fast, Gabe. Um, I've never applied. I've never sent a letter to, I've never made a phone call to, um, any of the last engagements I've had in the last two years. And I've been as busy as I want to be very busy and it's all come through word of mouth. So thanks for asking. But, um, the best way would be on LinkedIn. And if you just Google, just Google, uh, Michael Crandall, you put the initial CNG, I will come up number one or two in every Google search and will take you immediately to my profile on LinkedIn. And then you'll see all of the Michael Crandall CNG propaganda you'd ever want to ever want to see or hear. Active, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way I would do that. Um, uh, just go through LinkedIn. As, as far as a phone number, you can always call me absolutely direct. I'll answer right away. And it's area code 760-464-6103. And as always, I'm not selling a thing. I'm just glad to help you. And you let me know. And that's exactly what I'll do for you all. Awesome, Michael. Thank you so much for joining me once again on Private Club Radio. One of my favorite guests to have on every single time you're on, Michael. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, Gabe. Well, as always, Michael wows us here on Private Club Radio. And this time it was no different. Awesome to speak with Michael once again. Well, I hope you'll continue to come back here on Private Club Radio because we have some fantastic guests to bring you here over the course of January and February. Jim Butler from Club Benchmarking will join us next week on the show. We'll go live from the Club Leadership Summit, the third and final installment on January 29th. On February 5th, we'll be speaking to the duo of Joseph Abley and David Duvall of Club Board Professionals. On February 12th, Brad Rudover of Country Club X, which is an interesting app that has just come out. On February 19th, we'll be talking about another technology member text. So stay tuned for those episodes. Hope to catch you back here each and every week on Private Club Radio. And until next week, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process 